All right, pray before we eat. Get up. Welcome, folks. Y'all come on in and make yourself at home. This here, well, this is the Rolling Thunder Podcast. Your home for all things Rolling Thunder. This episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast is presented by Mossy Oak Camouflage because everything is better in Bottomland. And Lucky Duck Premium Decoys, Masters of Deception. Welcome to another episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast. What's up? Man, this episode is also brought to you by Mucinex. <laughs> and Kent Cartridge. And Kent Cartridge. <laughs> which will make a great combination together. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Your voice sounds very... Uh esteemed and and uh i don't know what i did aged and gravelly yeah did you smoke a cigar this week or no i just you know i just went out in my garage and just yelled for a while (laughs) so no i'm kidding but Uh, um but anyway man can we do a canada recap well yeah sure because i we've had we had little little bits here little bits there but i guess let's kind of just actually run through the yeah man yeah. Start to finish. Yeah, so uh, whew, I don't feel like we've been back very long at all, but heck, it's been almost a month. I mean, it's three and a half weeks. It's been more than that. Um, it is definitely the number one question I've been getting asked is, man, how was y'all's Canada trip? Blah, 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 you know. Um, what are you telling people when somebody says, how was y'all's Canada trip? Well, we went over kind of my version of things. <laughs> well, we Something about a, <clears throat> a puppy with multiple oh, yeah. appendages. <laughs> But as a pecker an appendage, <laughs> I didn't know what constituted as appendages. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take long, did it? Nope, nope, that's a record. <clears throat> but no, um, I, I've just, what I've told people is it was, it was incredible from the standpoint of it is just such a different environment. It's mm-hmm. such a different place. Yeah. I love hunting in new places because it's just so different from what from what you normally see. Yeah. I've never really done extensive dry field hunting. Yep. I've ne- I've never seen that many birds, even though it was a down year for birds. Yep. So normally I say it's great. Everyone else said it was really dry. I mean, I, I experienced the dryness too, but, you know, it was way drier than it used to be, those kind of things. Yep. And then it, normally I leave it at, I'm looking forward to seeing it in its prime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but it was an adventure just getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, and you didn't get to drive. No. Next year, I'm definitely going to have to make you ride in the car, that's although fair. it's just going to be harder because next year your kid's going to actually recognize your face and yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> be upset when you leave. So. I don't know. I might be driving. <laughs> I might be flying still. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just talk about I – th- I feel like a lot of people think we just jump in the in the truck one day just go to Canada. I mean, that's kind of what we do. Nah, I mean, but it was like three <laughs> weeks. There's a lot of planning, of, for yeah, sure. Yeah, like you putting decoys together at yeah, the house. There's definitely a lot like of Go that. Go into that kind of. Um, okay. Like well, what it takes let to me really just, freelance in Canada. Yeah, let me just say that uh, I have been telling people, great is the word I use when yeah. people are like, uh, you know, what do you think of Canada? Great is my answer. But it was tough. I mean, this was the toughest year. 
I can remember up there um, in terms of just it wasn't easy. And sometimes it really is easy up there. I mean, it's, you know, you just show there's, up. There's a skill to it, right? Yeah. And you got to do it the right way and you learn. But, I mean, sometimes it's just easier than it is other times. And this was this year was definitely hard. We drove uh, more, scouted farther. Um, I mean, got our teeth kicked in a handful of times, you know, just didn't kill them like we should yeah. have or thought we would have. So it was not easy. Well, and the number of times we also had to put the spread. I know that sounds like, oh, poor guys. But if you shot them in the morning, you're not putting out another yeah. spread in the afternoon. That's right. And that we, actually kind of wears on oh, you. Oh, it absolutely wears I mean, on you, 100%. It affects how long you get to take a nap, and it, it doesn't get dark out there till late. By the time you get back to town and by the time you eat and get to sleep, I mean, heck, it's, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and then you're 4 o'clock, 3.50, wake up. 3.35, kind of yeah. So the, you're right, and that's one of the things that made it hard was we hunted more mornings and afternoons, like double hunted, yeah. than I've ever done up there. I mean, normally it's a cakewalk. You smash them in the morning. And yeah, you're, you're you were telling me stories breakfast. about you having breakfast, yeah. and you get a nap, and then you Sleep get an ice cream. Lunch. Yeah, you get an ice cream cone, and then yeah. you go scout. You get a 2 o'clock, or really like a 3 to 4 o'clock snack, because you slept through lunch, you know, after a six-hour nap kind of thing, and then you go scout. Like, that's what, that's kind of what it's Ooh. supposed to be. Um, but it it definitely was not that this year. Uh, it, it was, whew, it was tough. I mean, and so we, we ended up a lot, so we, we were there 10 days, yep. and the first five days were very different than the second five days for a couple reasons, but weather obviously had a lot to do with it. it the last three or four days that we were there, a nice little cool snap rolled through, yep. and I wouldn't call it cold, but it was <clears> enough <throat> of a weather shift that, that I definitely think we got some new ducks. We had some ducks in some spots we didn't when we first got there, and then we had some ducks that just seemed to be a little more motivated to feed in the morning. Yeah. So the last couple of days, you know, we were able to get on some morning yeah. feeds. The very last day was just as good as you'd ever want it to be. I of mean, course, that's of course that's, I wasn't there, so maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, there was something be. too that that made scouting a lot more difficult than normal, which was for about two days we had smoke mm-hmm. that came and and pretty much everybody in the area was saying the same thing. But yeah, we had so smoke that came and sat on us from mm-hmm. both fires up at Hudson Bay and then. Fires as far west as British Columbia. Wow. Getting picked up and dropped on Yeah, I, I don't even know how they know that. I just know that I saw smoke, Do they track too. it from I mean, space? You can, you can see it. it. Really? You yeah. can see it move? Mm-hmm. I'll be dang. Um, I'm scared of heights, and I don't, so I don't hunt out of 20-foot-tall deer stands, much <laughs> less get up in the space. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we did. See. We had that smoke. It was weird. You could smell it. Yeah, in the air, it kind of burned your eyes. You could, like you could, I don't know if people could tell, but in the background of the most recent episode, um, called Handlebar, yeah. which if you haven't seen it yet. Go watch it. Go watch it. Um, but in the background of that, you can actually see the smoke. Yeah, it was a very and hazy. I think one of the reasons we shot them that evening was because it, it was like – Kept them low. 15 to 20 minutes, that's true, but that 15 to 20 minutes right before legal shooting light goes out, it, it felt like we had that for an hour and a half. It did. <laughs> it was kind of like the ducks were tricked into thinking, you know, it was dark out, so they were going to fly. But the weirdest thing was um, – it just felt like you were in a snow globe. Mm-hmm. It was the strangest sensation <clears throat> because mm-hmm. you couldn't see much past 500 yards. Yeah, it, it was definitely. And so you couldn't see the road. You couldn't right. see houses. You couldn't see right. barns or silos or anything. And then all of a sudden ducks would just appear into this, mm-hmm. into the void where we were. And right. 
Right. So yeah, it is. It, it definitely that smoke. I didn't even think about that. It definitely created a a hurdle. Um, you know. But all right. So you asked a question. I didn't get to answer. It was yeah. a good one. Um, like how do we prepare for Canada? Yeah. Like what's it take to freelance in Canada? Um. I, okay. Good question. And everybody's going to have a different answer for what's it take. Um, we try to have. Excuse me, that was a big yawn. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm leaving. <laughs> you gonna leave that in or cut that out? Just oh, leave that, that, that's that's free. gonna stay. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that yawn. Uh, I, I just I got my feet propped up and <laughs> really relaxed. Um, so when we go to Canada, we try to take the obvious suspects. So we take spinners. Um, I'm obviously partial to the Lucky Duck spinners. Um, and then we try to take full bodies, mostly goose full bodies, simply because they take up the most room and um, they're the most visible. And then this year we took a whole bunch of silhouettes um, and and then we all pretty much always take socks as well, snow goose socks. Um, we don't typically snow goose hunt for a couple reasons. One is they're kind of hard to decoy and kill and I'm not the best snow goose hunter. Um, and... Um, so I don't, unless I just absolutely have to, I try not to put myself in a spot where I'm, where I have to hunt snow geese over decoys. I am not Jonathan Olson or any other number of the great white devil (laughs) killers. Like I I will shoot a snow goose and on the wing, I can shoot a snow goose as most, as good as most folks. But I just, I don't have the ability to look at a group on the ground to determine if there's enough juvies there and set the collars up and the spread right. I mean, I'm a duck hunter, and I can I can kill some specks. I can kill honkers. Yeah. I'm just not a great snow goose hunter. Sure. So I bring socks to hide in typically. Um, and so I'm looking – my favorite way to hunt in Canada is when ducks and snow geese are feeding together. Typically, if ducks and snow geese are together, specks are there too and a lot of times there's also some honkers uh, or some lessers. And so when they're together, you can put the whole shooting match out, the kitchen sink, darks, and whites together. The whites give you a ton of visibility to the ducks, Mm -hmm. and I think that oftentimes the white, the presence of the white geese makes the ducks feel safe. I think that the good Lord made it where the ducks understand that snow geese live longer than them, and they're smart. You know, a 20-year-old snow goose has seen some weird stuff in its life, you know. <laughs> and so if a snow goose is sitting there on the ground, I think instantly it, it creates knows. a safety factor for the ducks, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but for us as hunters, it gives us the ability to hide. Snow goose socks move a lot, tons of wind. Um, and, yeah. and so that movement and the height of it and all that kind of stuff just allows you to wear whites and sit right there in the middle of the decoys. Mm. And the ducks typically eat it up. Um so before a trip like that, I'm getting decoys together, kind of getting them organized in ways that I think we're going to pull them out of the trailer. Um, and then, obviously, tons of spare tires and floor jacks. And I try to think about what the worst-case scenario is and try to be prepared for it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, ridiculously too many tools, I guess, and, and – uh, Seems like there's always a handful of things I take that I don't need and yeah. eliminate the next go round. <laughs> as as far as decoys go, mm-hmm. I noticed that we weren't really hunting with a bunch of 
duck decoys. We had the spinners. Yeah. And we had, but we had mostly what we hunted over was the, yeah. the honkers and the specs. Yeah. Bull and and I, I like hunting over duck decoys. I, 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 if I had my preference, I'd have, you know, 150 or 200 duck decoys and I'd put them right at our, at the feet of our blinds or I got you. right where we're sitting. So that there's kind of a center mass of ducks. I definitely think the ducks look when they, when they get that, make that last swing or two, I think they're looking for other ducks on the ground. Yeah. And if you watch a group of ducks <clears> land <throat> with a big kind of, a big feed of all the different kinds of geese and the mm-hmm. ducks. The ducks will be kind of grouped up together. They'll, yeah. They'll, I mean, in nature, most of those birds kind of want to segregate anyways. Yeah. They may all be feeding in the same field, but the snows will be, be clustered. You'll have cluster of specks and then, you know, cluster of ducks and whatnot. Um, the primary reason that I don't take ducks, decoys, or a lot of them, is because they take up room and space mm. that I feel like I get more bang for my buck out of either silhouettes or socks or yeah. full bodies. I got you. And so, you know. I, we had I, some. We had some. I, yeah, just, I, I just, was, I just yeah. wasn't I, sure like if I, we weren't running full body ducks or anything like that. I just don't think that full body ducks uh, really move the needle. I think mm. that a, a honker, full body honker, is so much more visible to a duck. I got you. And so is a full body snow or a silhouette of either one of those. So I feel like when a duck flies to a field, you know, it's looking for. It's, it, he feels safe because he sees geese. Then he sees a spinner, and and I don't think a duck's brain goes much farther than that. <laughs> Goose check, spinner you. check, bam, shot in the face with Kent Cartridge. Bam, you know, <laughs> <There you laughs> check. Uh, so, I, you know, in my if in in an ideal world, shoot, I'd have I'd have a big seed sack full of two or three hundred mallard decoys or, or floaters with the kills cut off. You know. And I'd kick them out right there and have a big black mass right at our feet. And mm. so if you're if you're trying to build a spread, I mean, shoot, my recommendation would be go out and buy thirty or forty dozen silhouettes. Um, I personally am partial to the big owls. I think they look great. They're made in America. Cool company. Um, big owl answers the telephone when you call up there. They're in Ohio, and uh, I, I like them a lot. Um, but shoot, I'd I'd get about a twelve foot trailer. Mm-hmm. I I prefer a double axle trailer because in my mind I feel like that if I have a flat tire or I spin out a bearing or something like that, there's a pretty good chance that I can limp somewhere on three yeah. tires or on one axle. And the number of times that I've had to limp somewhere on one axle or on three tires is pretty embarrassing, but an also impressive number. Um, yeah. Um. So. I like having a double axle trailer for gotcha. sure. Um, but I mean, if I was building a spread and I was trying to go to Canada and freelance, like you said, I, you know, a couple thousand bucks, you can find a double axle trailer, a couple thousand bucks. You can get you a hell of a good, um, silhouette spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for your ducks, is there a number that you're kind of looking for in the spread, like a minimum number of, man, I wouldn't go if I didn't have, it kind of depends on how many people does. you've had, you know. No, yeah. I don't think there is. Okay. If you only have a few, spread them out really big. Mm-hmm. If if you've got a ton, then you can kind of clump them up yeah. and, and create some more mass. But um, if you're scouting well and you know where they want to be, you really don't have to have that many. I mean, half the time we have such a big – we put out a big spread because it just hides the people, hides the people. better. And yeah. we've got 10 or 11 folks there, you know. <clears throat> um Outfitters don't tend to run parties that are quite that big. Goodness gracious, another yawn. I'm so sorry. Um, 
outfitters don't tend to run groups that are quite that big, and they've scouted really well, and so they can get away with hunting smaller spreads. I got you. Um, but what I was going to say about the ducks is that if you're if you're pinching pennies and you're trying to conserve, you know, for your spread, you can buy uh, filler decoys off Facebook Marketplace or you know just kind of junky looking mallard floaters. Get you a sawzall reciprocating saw and just cut the off keel. the keels go to the local co-op and get a big seed sack uh like kind of a kevlar looking you mm-hmm. know material white sack you can fill that son of a gun up with leaking decoys when when i first started going up there we would um it was still <laughs> it was still okay to put your decoys out in the woods in northeast arkansas and leave That's them right. for yeah. season and so at the end of the year um you had to pick them up within seven days and after seven days, I mean, they were kind of just like they became litter. And you could go to all the, uh, um, you could go to all the, <laughs> those holes, prominent just... areas. Oh yeah, the holes, and um, people would just leave them. They'd be well, not only the good decoys, but there'd be a ton of ones that had been shot from shooting cripples and stuff like that, and then it sunk, and so they'd be laying in the hole, or they'd be off around the edge of the holes and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. I mean, you could go up there, and we would. We'd, you'd go up there, walk through the woods, and you could pick up, you know, five or six dozen decoys. Man. Um, you know, and they were junkers. They were all, you know, just kind of black, mildewed, <laughs> and molded on them and stuff like that. And so uh, we we would do that, and, and that was kind of how we built our first spread was we had a few – I love Big that. Honkers. That's awesome. But but these days, yeah, I mean, if you if you were going to build a spread, for sure, I'd do silhouettes and some ducks. I mean, that's are there disadvantages to doing silhouettes? You know, in your experience, like <laughs> some people, some people will say that um, the printed silhouettes are shiny mm-hmm. on real sunny days. I think you can compensate for that um, by putting them at different angles. And, and kind of adjusting how you hunt in the sun, you know, with the sunlight on really clear days. Um, I don't think it bothers the ducks at all. I do think some of the geese, I don't think honkers care. I think specks can kind of see it different than the rest mm. of them. Snows maybe a little bit. I've noticed the specks are a little more leery okay. of the silhouettes, at least up there they were. Um, but, I mean, I don't think ducks care. <laughs> I really don't. I, I think – if you're going to shoot ducks on dry ground, you can put a big silhouette spread out and some mallard decoys and spinner, and you're gonna be in business. Hmm. Give it a whirl. If you're worried about if you're worried about the shine, I mean, you could always look for silhouettes that are flocked, but they're more expensive. Yeah. So if it was up to me, I would choose more decoys than I would less. In hazard. <laughs> I just always like yeah. big spreads because okay. I feel like it gets their attention. But um, okay. Yeah. And, man, you put silhouettes and some mallard decoys in a trailer, it doesn't take much room. I mean, you really can – that that doesn't take up a lot of – I think we space. had, like, six or seven of those big bags. We had 11 no bags. Problem. 11 bags. Yeah. So, this year, our spread that we took up there, I can tell you exactly, it was <coughs> 70 dozen silhouettes. So, it was 45 dozen dark goose honkers silhouettes. 20 dozen – um, spec silhouettes, ten. I'm sorry, twenty dozen snow silhouettes, ten dozen specs. So seventy five dozen silhouettes. Then I had thirty dozen snow goose socks, and I had fifteen dozen 
full body honkers. So okay. I think it was right at just shy of 140 dozen, 130, somewhere between 130 and 140 dozen. And those, and the and the border guys, they, they took like, every single one of those things yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. How long did it take to cross the border? Two and a half hours. That's better than I thought. And we were the only ones there. I mean, there wasn't another group crossing the border at that time. So um, you had everybody's attention. Yeah, it was just two agents, and man, I mean, they they pulled. They literally took everything out of the trailer except the full body honkers, and we kind of have them in the middle. So I have these brackets that are built by, uh, I believe his name is Andrew Nielsen, and it's called like uh, Flyway Migration or Flyway Products. I'm totally butchering this, um, but it's F-L-I-W-A-Y if you look it up. And he, I'm trying to remember what it is. Yeah, he builds these brackets, and you screw them to the wall of your yeah. trailer, and then you buy three-quarter-inch conduit. Is it just called Flyway Gear? Yeah, maybe. It's definitely Flyway, F-L-I-W-A-Y. Yeah. I think it may be gear. Well, it's good stuff, and you get that conduit. Yeah. Well, you buy the conduit from, like, a Home Depot or a Lowe's. Right, a little you thicker. just cut it. Yep, cut don't get it the, Don't get the thin stuff, and that'll little bend. Yeah, it's three-quarter-inch is what it is uh, that you want, and... And then those make basically rails, so you can mm-hmm. create a compartment. And so I've got a compartment over kind of basically the mid portion of the trailer. That way we can access the front and the back without decoys falling out. Gotcha. So in the back, I've got the four four big tubs of snow goose socks, and then I have all the silhouette bags on top of that. So in the mm-hmm. back of the trailer, if you opened up the, the rear doors, the first thing you'd have is sacks of silhouettes and then underneath those you'd have the sack the the four big tubs of socks and so what i do is pull into a field and we take all the silhouette bags out set them on the ground and then we position the four boxes of snow goose socks essentially where we want to sit that way you've got your biggest mass right there kind of in a in an area so we spread those two those four uh tubs out and then we take the bags of silhouettes and we kind of you know generally make the shape of the spread and set bags Build it you from, know, right yeah. and so then and then then you're just pulling from a bag and kind of filling but in so everything area. goes on the trailer in reverse order from how it that's comes right off. and so then you finish with sil- with the full bodies so that's why they're so dead in the middle when the border it. agents took everything off mm-hmm. did they help you put it back on lord no <laughs> they just no, in their words <laughs> we don't get paid to, to help you put it back <laughs> load on. it back up in fact it started raining while we were at the border and so they were like hey uh we're gonna go inside and we're get gonna dry. go inside we would recommend y'all start loading up looks like a thunderstorm coming right like, y'all are probably pretty ill yeah. when that happened we so, were just glad to be in Canada. So they didn't man. take off the honkers, but did they get like uh, like Robin Hood when he you know they're hiding in the back of the hay hay trailer and they're like doing the pitchforks? I mean, the, close. They had a they had a contraption that was this little camera. Oh, it's like thing, a scope, like a scope, oh, and it man. was it was like twelve feet long, and they were sticking that thing into the honkers and and looking and trying to. Of course, it was dark, and they had a little light on it, and it was like. I was like, we'll be glad to take these out. I mean, we've taken so much stuff out already. That, yeah, might as well throw ourselves down the rest yeah. of the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, yeah, they, they definitely pulled everything out and worked us over the coals. and But that's okay. We, we yeah. got across. <laughs> yeah. Gee. So, so, get across. I mean, about how many days are you going to want to scout before you even think about hunting? Ooh. Because that's kind of the temptation is we're here, let's scout a day, and then yeah. we immediately go hunt you never, You never scout enough. 
I mean, it seems like. Um, but, I mean, when you start from scratch, I really like to have at least a full day and a half of a day. Mm-hmm. But, man, if you get there one afternoon, it's pretty hard to get everybody to to scout the whole next day and then part of the next day. So we try to time it where you're rolling in sometime after lunch, but within a couple hours of dark so that the first evening that you're there, you can scout and then you get a whole day the next day. And so theoretically you've gotten to scout during three feeding periods, evening, the first day, morning, morning, and then evening. And then you start. So you don't really want to show up at night the first night. I mean, you can, but, but, you lose that. You lose if you can bump it back three hours. You basically effectively get to scout two evenings before yeah. you hunt. So, yeah, an extra half. Even day. though it only it only feels like one day, but effectively you're getting to hunt two different days worth of feeds in the evening. Mm, I like that. Okay. Uh, and so, then from there, like when I roll in, even to an area that I know really well, the first thing I do is identify where I think all my water is, and I try to look at multiple pieces of water in different areas. So it ideally. If I've if I make a cross or a plus sign over a map of where I'm staying, mm-hmm. you know, there's the northeast quadrant, southeast quadrant, southwest quadrant, and northwest quadrant. I try my best to look at water in all four of those different quadrants so that in theory, every day when I scout, I'm building intel mm-hmm. in four different geog- uh, geographic areas around where I'm staying. Um, sometimes you, you don't find stuff in every one of them and you have to just shoot real hard at one group of ducks over and over and over. But you do that, you're educating them, you run them off. Yeah. You know, ideally, you'd have something in each of the four kind of quadrants around mm. where you're sleeping. You got options. And you'd, and you'd, you'd hop, skip, and jump between them, you know, so you don't burn them out too bad. Yeah. Never works that way, but that's what you're, that's what you're going for. <laughs> All right. Um, and I, you know, water like that this year was the commodity, man. It was crazy, very scarce. Weren't farmers saying that they normally get like forty bushels an acre of some stuff, and they were getting five and nine, less than five, yeah, between three and eight, a bunch. Um, total crop loss. I would say, on average, most farmers up there picked up an additional twenty acres. That's of what I was going to say. Yeah, 20, I mean, not twenty acres, twenty percent. So if you farmed a thousand acres. Generally speaking, there'd be about 200 of those acres that they would have in a normal year lost to potholes Mm -hmm. that they, it was so dry in the spring that they were able to mow and then till under or burn, you know, and and get into production. And so we'd be looking at the map thinking we were going to a big piece of water or a piece we'd shot before or a piece we'd seen stuff sitting on. And you pull up and there, there wasn't even the semblance of a, of an old pothole there. Like you, you really couldn't tell even where the, the, the pothole yeah. had been because everything had been harvested. Are those, are those potholes going to come back? Yeah. Okay. Uh, most of them. Um, because I, I mean, I, there's probably a more official Delta or DU, you know, yeah. biologist answer to that question, but I think it's just dependent upon rain. I think yeah. everything comes in a season. When we were talking to case and short over at buyers. Yep. He was um, he was talking to us about some of the stuff in North Dakota, where they're pumping the the farmers are essentially pumping water out of those potholes and putting them into tillable ground. Is that different than 
are they making it so it will no longer even hold water anymore? Or I I don't know exactly what they're talking about. I've heard Delta say that. I've okay. seen Ducks Unlimited say that, and I don't know if that's a statistic that they're using to measure how try to raise funds. Hmm. If it's or if it's a if it's a statistic that's more of a reflection of how many acres of CRP are being enrolled or not being enrolled mm. annually, like are renewed. Sure. Um, and and I don't really know how that affects the pothole region in Canada I, because I don't think most of those guys enroll their potholes in a program like CRP up there, no. like, like they do down here. So. Uh, my understanding is that just in a dry year, if they're able to get in there, they mow the cattails back and they plant across the top of it. Some of them, some of them will bale the cattails in the springtime as soon as it gets dry, mm-hmm. and use it as hay. Um, but or or not maybe springtime in the summer. You know, once they know there's a full tilt drought set on. But man, I think if it it's it's such rolling hills up there, I think if you get a big rain, it's going to catch somewhere. Yeah, water's going to catch there. Okay. It's not like what we were looking at was a rice levy that had been knocked out. Knocked out. Yeah. That's not why it dried up. It was some of them, and some of them uh, have a real high salt content. So the ground where the where it was, it was, white. was just white and salty looking. Okay, was that what that was? Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if it was Alkaline. like really. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice how when we were up there, we were talking to? Well, did you notice that nobody had planted over those areas? No, but the now planted areas weren't white. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that salty. Yeah, I just figured it was like real, like clay, like that white clay, but no. salty, huh? Well, um, did you notice that when we were like we'd bump into locals at restaurants or or things like that or the bars in town, we'd ask them if they hunted, and they almost to the person would say, "I used to." Mm. No matter what age they were, yeah. like oh, I used to. I don't. I mean, sometimes I mess with geese, but I don't care about ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do hear that. I thought that was interesting. That, just to be like, why, yeah. why did they? Stop? Yeah, yeah, I used to goose hunt a lot, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I don't, mm. I don't know. I don't know if it's because gun gun ownership has kind of gotten to be difficult in Canada or, or what. But um, it's pretty impressive how detached the local population is from those wild migratory birds. I mean, there's everywhere. There's ducks and geese everywhere flying around big. Flocks and they're just, <laughs> just kind of like going about their day. Too. Yeah, that's just kind of like us and blackbirds. You know, like we don't even think about it. Yeah, they're around us all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of that's how I prepare for Canada. Okay. Um, yeah, how did you prepare for Canada? Just try to get everything charged. How many things did you take that you didn't need? Hmm. Not counting an, some clothes for somebody else, I pretty much used everything. I probably could have. I probably could have left like three jackets. <laughs> there's like, yeah. there's definitely some stuff, but uh, probably could have used some more socks. <laughs> Feet got cold. No, I just oh. you don't want manky socks when you're oh, up there. Really? So. I'm funny. I I took two pairs of socks for him for ten days. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Well, I hunted them and then take them off. I, my feet don't really sweat, so yeah. Yeah. Are you are you your feet sweat like uh, crazy? No. Oh, it's just you know. You just like a clean pair of socks every day. I just like yeah. Oh gosh, nah. 
No, I basically Call wore the crazy. same outfit every day that I was there. <laughs> you did. I'd take it out in the take it off in the afternoon and change clothes yeah, to go scout. But that's right. Yeah, my hunting clothes pretty much stayed the same. Man, I didn't. I didn't do anything different. I didn't. I didn't know what to expect except try not to overpack and yeah, try to get everything. I was more worried about making sure we had memory cards and hard drives. Yeah. And yeah. Gosh, it's we. Oh, we had to take so many. Pelicans and cases, and no doubt, it's ridiculous. It takes six trips to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, okay, so kind of, I guess getting back to kind of the rest of the trip, we everything kind of really turned around. Pretty much at handlebar after that hunt, where mm-hmm. it was at least we felt like we had a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. We didn't feel like we were just throwing hail marys. Yeah. So when we hunted, when we we had the handlebars hunt. We had a, another hunt kind of in our back pocket. Yeah. We knew where some ducks had yeah. been dry feeding, and we knew the water they were coming off of. And um, so we went that evening knowing full well where some ducks had been. And so the next morning, we we actually – we also had a goose hunt mm-hmm. lined up. So we went and shot those geese, and it gave us the opportunity to double-check that those ducks were there. And I actually went and scouted those ducks um, while everybody was – I started – spec hunting with everybody mm-hmm. and about halfway through the hunt i was tired and i needed to get on a conference call um and and so i drove back to watch that group of ducks and did my conference call and they, right. didn't, they didn't fly that morning until like ten thirty, but when they flew it was a bunch of them um and so we watched them that evening mm-hmm. because we thought we could scratch on them the next morning without messing up that evening hunt and and we had a really good spec hunt that morning, um, so we we ended up there the next morning, you know. So it kind of it after handlebars we sort of had multiple things starting to stack up, and yeah, part of that's because the weather changed. It just got a little better, but also part of it's because we had that was kind of the critical point where we'd had about four days and three or four trucks on the road, and we were really starting to kind of put together, okay, this is moving over here for this reason, and this is moving over here for this reason, and there's been a lot of ducks here. Now there's twice as many, or now there's half as many, you know, just kind of. Yeah. Just process of elimination, you start narrowing it down. I feel like whenever we really just were in a tight spot and we really needed something, the cranes provided <sighs> whatever i'm tired of hearing you talk about cranes <laughs> i love a crane man God, it's ridiculous they're cool critters for sure but i don't know i love them <laughs> i don't like the idea of having to set up and hunt them It'd be a crane grinder <laughs> go for when it when i grow up <laughs> go for it we did shoot a bunch of cranes and that was awesome yeah you'll see I some of that, that in one of the yeah. i guess episodes coming up yeah so we got two more Canada episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Two yeah. more from Canada. One's going to be called Rock Pile. Rock or, Pile. Is that right? And then yeah. and then the other one, I don't know that we've really we have We it, haven't committed on, on that one yet. Um, that's going to be, I don't know if that'll be Chapter 6 or Chapter 7. We hadn't decided yet, but mm-hmm. that'll be fun because that particular hunt was really just as, it was the epitome of what you want in Canada. Yep. You could see the ducks coming off of a big roost from a long way away, and then there was a medium-sized loaf pond in the field that we were set up in. Yeah. And then the wind was blowing from us to them. So This was the last day. Yeah. yeah. We'd, we'd watch them leave the roost pond, light on the loaf pond, and then they'd sit there about 10 minutes, and then they'd get up and, and roll to us. And 
mean, man, they, they came from seven or eight hundred yards or more away, just kind of 12 to 15, 15 foot feet off, the, off ground, the ground, just yeah. straight in the whole way, never, never circled, never, you know. And so it was that, that, like a that last one. day was awesome. Yeah. That puts a good taste what in your mouth. What you go to Canada for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you remember. For right? that, yeah. Yeah. So it was good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go back tomorrow. <laughs> hey, we Can't, got time. No, I don't. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Arkansas is knocking on the door now. So. Man, speaking of. Time to change gears. I just want a little bit more time yeah. <laughs> to kind of get all my affairs in order. Yeah. Before the season starts. Yeah. But. Yeah, it, I told you, you're never going to be ready. It's no. like having kids. I mean, you're never fully ready, so. You just got to do it. Just got to dive in. I'm going it. to Oklahoma this weekend. Oh, cool. With some friends. Duck hunting, so, or are you duck trying hunting. to be a crane, you know, grinder, or what? No, I'm going to give the cranes a break. We've been hard at them for oh, a yeah. while. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> so. we've just mashed their beaks <clears throat> in. <laughs> that's right, that's right, driving nails. But. Um, Is this Oklahoma's opener? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going with a few few friends of mine, Denver Hall. And awesome. Jake uh, Jake Morton. Good. Met through the podcast. Yeah. We've become friends and had kids that were born just days apart from each other. Awesome. He just said, hey, man, you want to go to Oklahoma? Are y'all said, public yes, hunting sir. or did yeah. he got a – Okay. It's a public place. That's awesome. They found they found a place out there, and so I'm going to I'm gonna yeah. miss out on some of the scouting. They're going up, I guess, Wednesday. Okay. And then I'm going to come in on Friday, hunt Saturday. Nice. Maybe Sunday. Good. But then, gosh, then Arkansas is just – Yep, week later. I'm going to deer hunt Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm, I'm going to kill old stickers. No, I, I, <laughs> I didn't name – I'm not naming my deer. I've got hey, good pictures ha, of them. But. Have you all gotten Dawson yet? <laughs> uh, I don't know where Dawson actually lives. That, that might be a mercy killing. <laughs> kill well, it's them. not my deer. That, oh, that I thought Dawson of, was at your place. No, 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 no. That picture of Dawson came from Ricky Rydell. Oh, got it. At the golf scramble one year, he was like, I got this deer. Tell me. He was like, y'all y'all look at this. Tell me this doesn't look like Dawson Leak. <laughs> and we were just like, oh, my gosh, the scrubby-haired deer. Uh, no, I got some good ones on camera. I don't know. Hopefully, after this little bit of rain comes through tomorrow, we'll yeah. be some deer moving. I'd like to kill a big one and not have to think about it again. <laughs> there you go. Older I get, the more I like that big game hunting, man. Yeah? it's Yeah, for sure. It's, oh, man, I'm not there it's yet. It's quiet and yeah, I just it's nice to sit still and take a nap. Watch the world wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a different kind of thrill. No, I get it. I get it. I, I do see why people like it. I'm just not there. I'm excited about it. So you gonna do it with the bow? Lord no. Okay. No, I'm a cow. I know you shot that elk with the bow. That's just because in September to hear him bugling you got to. That's all really the only reason I shot that elk with a bow. I got you. I just didn't I mean I would go back and shoot an elk with a with a rifle, but during September when they're bugling, it's bow hunting. It's, you know, it's yeah. just not gun season. So. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I'd much rather shoot a deer with a gun. I'm, I'm just not. That's not the kind of Indian I am. You know? I'm, a, I'm a bad Indian. <laughs> I shot. I I tried to shoot my brother's bow. I guess last year. And my my arms are longer than his. Mm. Yeah, so I pulled that thing back, let it fly. Mm, Slap form. Oh my gosh! And then I said, "Man, that was that was dumb." I did it again. Whack! And it was it looked just looked like I got stung by a couple of hornets on my forearm. 
Man. That target, and, and it, so much energy came out into my arm, the arrow only went into the target like two inches. Jeez. <laughs> so the rest of it went into me. And so I bet I said, your arm was red for days. Just bruised. Uh, oh, it was it was bad bruised. Yikes. Yeah, it was. I, it hurts. No, I'm uh that and that's when I retired. Um, oh, so quickly. Oh okay, yeah. I also told Ben. I said let's uh, let Robert Hood over here. You know, <laughs> put it in the no. Got rock. It, it helps to have a bow that fits. But I, I like bow hunting. I don't have anything against it. But yeah, I don't know if I want to sit in deer stand all day. I like at least holding the concept that. I can shoot something I can see. <laughs> That's the deal. I would lose my mind if if I was watching this big buck at 200 yards yeah. again and again and again and again. And yeah. He just never came under my tree. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You move closer, you figure it out, you scout. But I, bow hunting in my part of the world in the river bottoms is hard. The blocks of woods are so big that it doesn't really narrow down exactly where they can walk. And I, you know, I'm just not, like you said, I'm not that great of an Indian. I, I don't ever seem to be able to pattern them as well as some guys do. and Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like – I enjoy the – I enjoy building a food plot. I enjoy watching six or eight or ten deer feeding that food plot or picking bed, one bed and, down in yeah. it. Um, and and so I like kind of getting in the area with them, trying to hunt the wind, and mm-hmm. I don't need to be 20 yards from them. I'd, I'd rather just be inside 200. And Get them with a harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I prefer the uh, – for the 270 caliber area. <laughs> there <those>. you go. <laughs> All right. So, well, well, good stuff. Any any uh any parting shots, anything of of what's to come? Yeah, be nice to people in the woods. If you're coming to Arkansas to hunt, be nice to people. And uh if you see me, please let me get whatever hole we're racing for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And ask him for his uh, hat. He'll give it to you. No, nah, I don't know about that. Maybe. <laughs> Depends on I got my old one on or my <laughs> this year's hat, but you can have to start uh, carrying around a lot of hats now. I've been saying that for a few episodes. So, shoot. well, it it I can't believe it's a it's upon us. And I'm uh, excited. May, maybe next week we'll sit and tell some old Arkansas stories. That always and seems to be fun. I'd love that. I'd love to hear them. All right, well, can we go to Feathers Chapel and do it right <laughs> in the evening? It's time. always a little sportier. A little, yeah, little brown water the week of. We That's can right. do that. That's we can right. Do that and get Ben on the podcast too. All right, we can All do right. that. We'll do it. All right. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast. Yep. Catch you all next week. See you on the next one.